Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Christian. Um, I actually, uh, I'm from Harbor Church Waipahu, which you guys planted, by the way. And so if you don't know, uh, I served here at Harbor Church for nine years, right after I got married. I came here, and um, when we were at Leo Leo still, can you guys imagine? We are uh, at that little playground with the little dinosaurs. You guys know that. That was awesome. Um, and then we came here. Um, but we were serving here for a long time, and I just wanted to tell you guys, thank you guys so much for your faithfulness in planting churches and your faithfulness in um, um, praying for us and supporting us. We've been really grateful. So our church, we started off at a little tiny itty-bitty office in YPO. So we're calling ourselves Harbor Church Waipau, but we're in YPO because never have space. And then um, what ended up six months into our church plant, uh, a place opened up and we were able to, to finally move to Waipau. So we're like, hey, put the Waipau back in the title on the website because we're there. So now we're in the middle of Waipau and it's been a huge blessing. Um, we started off with one little spot, and we renovated that last year, and then we moved into, we got another space, so next to us, uh, for our kids. So we've been growing there, we've been seeing people get baptized, reaching out to the community, um, doing the same things that you guys are doing, um, we're able to do, and it's all because of your faithfulness. We're a small church um, that's looking to make a big impact, and, and we know that we're going to be um, successful, um, not because of we're relying on our own strength, but because of God's faithfulness, and especially His faithfulness working through all of you. So I just want to honor you guys and just thank you guys on behalf of Harbor Church Waipahu. I wish our whole church was here to thank you guys, but unfortunately they're meeting right now, so they can't be here. Anyways, um, here's the thing. Here, here's what I know. I want to let you guys know. Church planting has been an amazing experience for me. Um, I've loved it. I, I always wanted to go back to Waipahu and just be a part of the community, um, but church planting is hard. Um, it's hard, especially when you're at a church like ours and, and you've, been, you've been kind of around the community. If you've been in a community group, you understand this. They become like your family. And then all of a sudden, you, you're stripped away from that and you go out, like, go on your own and you got to fly. And, you know, it's hard to fly without your family. So um, that's what it's been like for us. At the same time, we believe and we've been encouraged because our God's faithful, right? Because we're not going into a church plant relying on our own strength because we got none, right? Um, and, 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 and this is a good thing because... Today, what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about the people of God and how they were called to do something really, really big. They were called to, to, to inherit the promised land of God, something that they were afraid to do 40 years prior. That's where we are in the story. And at the same time, they're able to go in, they're able to inherit the land, not because of their own strength and not because of their own faithfulness, but because of God's strength and his faithfulness. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I know that we're on a time clock, and so I don't want to... Um, we're at a church plant, so efficiency is not our best suit. You know what I mean? Like we, we're like, hey, everybody, stay 10 minutes longer. Okay, we're going to go longer, but that's not here, so we're going to move on. Let's jump into Joshua chapter 1. I know Pastor Matt is going to watch this. I want to be efficient. <laughs> Joshua 1. Here's what it says. After the death of, the, of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. We're going to stop right there. Verse 1. After the death of Moses... This should hit you, if you understand your Bible, this should hit you like a ton of bricks. This should, this should be just a huge, weighty statement because of who Moses is. If you know the story of Israel, Moses was the guy that God sent to free his people from slavery. He sent Moses into Egypt to, to rescue his people. Moses confronts Pharaoh. Moses is the one that God works through to bring the ten plagues. Moses is the one that God uses to part the Red Sea. Moses is the one who leads God's people. And so now, as, as God's people are on the cusp of the promised land, as they're standing at the foot of all that God has promised them, ready to inherit it, they don't have 
their greatest leader with them. They don't have the person that, that, that led them for 40 years and more than 40 years. That person they relied on. They don't have him anymore. And so the Israelites, they, they, you can imagine they would feel alone. And, and now they have this young man, Joshua, who God is calling to step up into the place of Moses. To step up and, and take charge of God's people and lead God's people just like Moses did. Do you guys know how hard that would be? Do you guys know how difficult it is to follow up greatness? Right? I mean, you guys put me one week after Mike O'Hara. Come on. Why would you guys do that to me? Right? Not only that, right? Like, can you imagine? Think about this, right? Do you know who the president after? Some of you guys might know this. Don't answer. Who was the president after Abraham Lincoln? You know that guy? Neither do I. So I Googled it. I Googled him. And you know what? I forgot his name. So I, I Googled him, forgot his name, right? But all I know, all I remember is I read an article and the, the name of the article, the title was the most criticized president ever. The most criticized. And then because I'm not one to just read articles, I clicked on it because I read. And I read the first paragraph and it said, he had the unfortunate task of following up Abraham Lincoln. The unfortunate task of following up Abraham Lincoln. Right? It is hard to follow up greatness. It is difficult to follow Tip for you kids, do your speech first when you get to class. And then, you know, you never know what everybody else is like, okay? Okay, so he has to follow up Moses. He has to step in and fill these shoes of Moses, who was perceived at the time as the greatest leader that Israel has ever had. He wrote the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. This is a big, this is a big, important, weighty role that Joshua is called to. Now look what God says in Joshua chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. I have given you every place where, your so where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. God's word to Joshua, you're going to step up into these big shoes. You're going to take my people to inherit the land. You're going to take them across this Jordan, right? He doesn't tell them, Moses is dead, Joshua. Just relax. We understand you're having a hard time here. No, no. He says, Joshua, I have a call on your life. Joshua, I have something for you to do. You don't have time to moan. You don't have time to weep. You don't have time to stay still. You're going to lead these people to inherit the promised land. You're going to lead these people across the Jordan. I got great things planned for you. I got great things planned for you. And what does he point him back to? He points him back to his promise. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you the land just as I promised Moses. In other words, Moses is dead. Your leader is dead. You don't have him anymore. But guess what you do have? You have my promise. You have my promise, and everything that I promise comes to pass. Just like I promised to Moses, I will fulfill that promise because God is faithful to his word. God is not like us, right? And not only is God faithful to his word, what does God say? I promise that I'm going to be with you. You're not going to go across this Jordan alone. You're not going to be facing these enemies alone. And this is very important because of what we see next, right? Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. This is the thing that God commands Joshua four times in this passage. Be strong and be 
courageous, which is interesting if you remember the history of Israel at the time. Israel right now in the book of Joshua, they're at the foot of the promised land. They, they can see it. They can see all that God promised them right ahead of them. But they were just at that spot 40 years before. And 40 years before, the only reason they're not in the land now is because 40 years before, they weren't strong and they weren't courageous. The Bible says that they got to the foot of the promised land and God told them, go in and inherit the land. They send 12 spies in. 10 of those spies come back with a bad report and say, those guys are too great. Those guys are too big. They make us look like little tiny bugs. They're going to kill us. God can't handle those people. Mind you, this is the same people that saw God do amazing things. They saw how God delivered them. They saw how God saved them. They saw how God fed them in the wilderness. They saw God lead them in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They saw all these amazing works of God. You know when they were thirsty, guess what they got? Water out of a rock. They saw the miraculous works of God. And at the same time, the thing that holds them back is they think that even though God was miraculous, even though God provided, even though God got my back, he can't handle this problem. And so they were afraid. They weren't courageous. And because they weren't courageous, they, they, they didn't inherit the land. They didn't inherit the promises of God. And, and you have to understand that anytime we lack strength and anytime we lack courage, anytime we lack those things, it is directly linked to our view of God. It is directly linked to our trust in who God is. And so at this time, right, God is going to make very clear what you need to inherit this promise is you need strength and you need courage. You will not inherit this promise without it. Look at verse 7. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the, the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. God says, be strong and courageous to observe the law. The law, God's word. We, we need strength and courage to obey the law. Now, we're not at the same kind of place that Joshua was. Right? We're not standing at the foot of the promised land waiting to get in in order to fight a battle that Joshua is about to fight. But even in our lives today, you know that it takes strength and courage, right, to believe God. It takes strength and courage to, to follow God, right? It takes strength and courage to, to, to love your neighbor as yourself. It takes strength and courage for, for you to, 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 to follow Jesus, right? Because Jesus said that, that following him is like taking up your cross daily, right? So you got to pick that up and carry that cross every single day if you're going to follow Jesus. In everything that you do, it's going to take strength and courage. Husbands, it takes strength and courage to love your wives. And wives, to respect your husband, take strength and courage to look to the needs of other people. Take strength and courage. As a church, you're called to be a place of refuge and redemption and resurgence for Honolulu. That takes strength and courage. You know, it's the same thing for us. Oh, we, that, that phrase was so good, we just kind of stole it and then put, we changed one thing though, we made it our own. We just put at the end, instead of Honolulu, we put Waipau. So I guess it's kind of unique, right? So, so, but here's the thing, in order to be that, right? In order to do that, that takes strength and courage. To be a place of refuge and redemption and resurgence, like that, that, that means that some of you are gonna have to, to, to have the courage to, 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 to walk up to some of the leaders out there and ask them, hey, where can I serve? Where can I help? It's going to take courage for some of you to get in a community group and be vulnerable about the things that God has taken you through so that you can be a blessing to other people. It takes strength and courage for you to, to be in community and to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. 
in order to last together is going to take strength and courage. That's what it takes for us to do the things that God has called us to do. All right, that's what it takes. And it takes strength and courage, especially to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? To proclaim to a world that, that hates God, that the only way to be made right with God is by repenting and believing in Jesus, to trust in him for everything that you have, to see him as king and to see him as Lord and not you, to stand for what God believes in, to stand for what God says about his design for men and for women, about his sexual ethic, to stand for righteousness will take strength and courage to proclaim the gospel, which is the only way that people get into the kingdom of God is going to take strength and courage. It's the same message that we're proclaiming in Waipahu, but it's the same message that's been proclaimed for 2,000 years by people courageous enough to stand for the truth. And so if we're going to be the kind of church that God has called us to do, we're going to need to trust God enough to have strength and courage. Now, does that mean that what God is calling us to be is a bunch of alpha males who just stand up and go, let's be strong, let's be tough guys, right? Is that what God is calling us to? Not, not exactly, right? Like, like we, we know this because if, if that's what God was calling us to, we know that all of us are kind of not that tough anyway, right? At the first sign of temptation, what do we do? Fold, right? Yeah, we trust God. Ben, you're with me, right? You get a cold. Man, you doubt, man, am I going to make it to tomorrow? I got a cough. Man, you know this. Yeah, your wife's over there taking care of the kids and feeding you, and she's sick too, right? You guys understand that? Right? That's how it is, man. That's how it is, right? At the first sign of disagreement, what happened? Are we obedient to God? First sign of disagreement, we blow up, right? We don't have the strength and courage on our own to be obedient. And so when, when we don't have that, when we lack that, where do we go? Well, we already seen where we go first. The first point right here is we go to God because God is faithful. Mo, uh, Joshua Right? God isn't telling Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous on your own. He's saying, I want you to be strong and courageous because I'm with you, because I'm faithful. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. God is not like us. Right? There are things that we say we're going to do that we never do. Right? Some of you guys are here right now. You're already seven days into the year, and you're like, 2024 is going to be my year, man. I can't wait till the new year when I make all these changes. Right? We've been there. Right? Okay, well, I'm still on 2014 New Year's resolutions. Maybe that's me, okay? All right? But here's the thing. God is not like us. When Israel sinned, there were consequences. They had to wander in the desert for 40 years. But guess what? God's promise endured. Moses, as faithful as he wanted to be to God's people, guess what? He died. He couldn't be. But God doesn't die. God never dies. God never lies. God is always faithful to his word. So at the very least, when you don't feel like you can rely on anyone else in this world, what God is saying is, Joshua, you can rely on me and my promises because there is no promise or word that I speak that I don't fulfill. You can always trust in me. That's why we need to be reminded every day of God's word. We need to remember God's word. Look at verse 8. Immediately after he says, be strong and courageous. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully obey, observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. In order to be the kind of people I'm calling you to be, in order to do the things that I'm calling you to do, God says, I need you to be committed to the word of God. I need you to be carefully observing it every single day. And the only way you can do that is by storing up God's word in your heart. If we're going to prosper as a church. 
And by prosper, I don't mean get comfortable and rich. Some of you guys are like, shucks. I thought that's what it, no, it's not that. By prosper, I mean be prosper in the fruit of the spirit. By prosper, I mean in being the kind of people that are loving to your neighbor, loving your enemies, loving your wives, loving your husbands. By prosper, I mean um, willing to serve and willing to give and, and, and willing uh, to proclaim the gospel. That's what I mean when I say prosper. By being the kind of people that produce fruits of the Spirit. In order to be that kind of people, we're going to need to be repeating God's word to ourselves over and over and over again. I need you all to get into some meditation. Not, not worldly meditation, right? Not emptying your mind kind of meditation, but the kind of biblical meditation where you are filling your mind with the promises of God on a regular basis. That's what it means to be meditating on God's word. In order to be strong and courageous, we're going to have to remember that. Now look at verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Second point we already talked about, God is with us. There is nothing that you face that you face alone if you're a follower of Jesus. Right? God is with you, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the great I Am, the creator of the universe, is always by your side. And like Scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? What that means is, I don't care what stands against me. My God is with me. Right? That's a paraphrase. That's not an actual quote, guys. Okay? That's what it is. Joshua have this confidence. I am with you wherever you go. I am with you when things are going well, and I am with you when things aren't going well. This is why Psalm 23 is such a beautiful psalm. Because the psalm says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And if God is with us, then it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter if we're in a valley now. It doesn't matter if we're at the top of the, the hills. It does not matter where we are. If God is with us, then we are good. And that's the thing that we need to be reminded of. Every single season of life, we have God with us. So God is faithful and God is with you. It doesn't matter what 2024 has for you. I, I don't know all of you. You guys, church has kind of grown. I know some of you, um, but I don't know all of you. So I don't know all the problems that you face. Some of you guys are in a trial right now. Some of you guys are coming out of a trial. And some of you are like, what's a trial? What's that? You know what I mean? Everything's going well right now. What is a trial? Well, guess what? You're going to be in one soon, okay? You're about to head into one. And even though we don't know what's going to happen, even though I don't know what's going to happen, what I do know is if you're clinging to God, no matter what happens, it will not overwhelm you. No, what, no matter what you face, it, 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 won't, it, it won't destroy you because God is with you, right? Because God is on your side. It does not matter who's on your side. It doesn't matter if you ever feel alone. You can turn to God and know he is right there with you everywhere you go. Our God is with us and our God is faithful. And so as we think about this, though, here's what we need to remember. Anyone can be strong and courageous for a moment, right? I, too, have gotten to Leviticus every year of my Bible reading plan. Right? Anyone can be strong and courageous for a moment, but after Leviticus, you guys know what it is. But what God was calling Joshua to wasn't strength and courage for a moment. He was calling Joshua to a life of strength and a life of courage. So he was calling him to continually show strength and show courage throughout his entire life. And the problem that, with that is we know that we get tired of doing good. We know that we get worn out. Some of you guys are like, no, we don't. Well, let me read it. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing good. 
for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. The way I read my Bible is, I imagine that when God commands something, it's because I'm not doing that. If God commands something or says, you need to do this, it's because we have a tendency to not do that thing. Like if you're a kid right now and your parents tell you, clean your room, it's probably because it's not clean. You know what I mean? Right? Simple. That's, my, that's how I apply my Bible, okay? If God says something, it's probably because we don't do it. And what this is saying is this. All of us have a tendency to grow tired of doing good. All of us have good plans, and, and, and we've woken up in the morning and said, Lord, we read, we read our Bible, we're good, we're, so, we're, we're going to be faithful to you today, and then they spill milk on the floor, and all of a sudden, boom, we're done, right? We melt down. Or, or you drive in traffic, and you're done, right? All of us get worn out by things in life, and what this is saying is, hey, I want you to, to continue being strong, continue doing good work, continue being courageous, right? Continue doing it. Now, how do we do that? How do we continue? Well, there's a hint in Galatians 6, 9. It says this, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. We will reap at the proper time if we continue doing what God's called us to do. Look at Joshua 1.10. Here's what it says. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves. For within three days, you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. God's saying, I am giving you a land. This land is as good as yours. This promise is as good as yours. I want you to cross over. I want you to inherit everything that I have for you. I want you to start fighting for that land. And here's the thing, right? God is reminding them that the land is yours, that the reward is yours. And we need that same reminder to continue in good works. That guess what? The reward of obedience is there. God is one who rewards us. And unlike Joshua, they were going to inherit some land, which is great right? They got a whole country. That's epic, right? Especially if you're from Hawaii, right? You own a little plot of land. You feel great, right? Imagine a whole country. That's what they got. But here's the thing. For Christians, for believers in the new covenant, you know what our inheritance is? It is not a little plot of land, the land of Canaan. Our inheritance is the new heavens and the new earth. That's our inheritance. That's our reward, right? Our reward is is bigger than God is going to dwell in his temple. Our reward is God dwells with his people everywhere they go right? Our reward is so much greater. And, and the problem is that the enemy, he would like to convince you that reward is not found in obedience. That the only way to get joy in this life, the only way to get peace in this life is to get money, power, and sex. That's the way you get rewards in this life. And what God says is, no, stay faithful to me, and I'm going to give you the type of joy, the type of satisfaction, the, the, the type of hope that you can't find anywhere else. You can't find this kind of thing in the world. I got the kind of stuff that I give you, and it will never wear out. Everything else that you get in this world is going to wear out, but the things and the blessings that I have for you never will. But there's something else that comes with obedience, not just the rewards of God. Look at Joshua 1, verse 12. Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, remember what what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, the Lord your God will give you rest, and he will give you this land. Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you, and they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the east side of the Jordan. Super long little section of scripture. I don't have time to get, get into every single thing. But what was going on was Joshua, there were these three tribes um, that, that are mentioned here. 
and they were on the east side of the Jordan. The rest of the promised land was across the Jordan on the west side. And these people already had their inheritance. And so what Joshua is trying to tell them is, I want you to remember what Moses told you. Moses told you that you will not rest until your brothers get rest. And so he has to convince these people to, to get in battle formation and march across, to risk everything that they have, to risk their livelihood, to risk their comfort, to risk their safety, leave behind their wives and their children, and go into battle along with the rest of God's people. And do you know what he convinces them with? Do you know what he tells them? He tells them this, what I'm going to give you, if you obey me, you make the sacrifice to do what God's called you to do, God will give you rest. Because can you imagine if God said, hey, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to go over the Jordan. I want you to fight that battle. And Joshua goes, how long? Just keep fighting. Just keep going. Just keep going and going and going. You will never get rest. Just keep going. Just be strong and courageous. That would wear anybody out, right? That would wear all of us out. None of us would have the endurance to continue faithful to God forever. All of us would fall short in some way. But the promise that God gives is one day, all that fighting is going to stop. One day, you won't have to make sacrifices anymore. One day, I'll give you rest. And, and, and for Joshua and the people, that was physical rest. But for us, it, it, there's a spiritual rest rest that God gives his people in the Christian life, right? The Christian life doesn't end with us believing in God, getting saved, and living in a cycle of sin and repentance every single day. That, that's not the Christian life. That's not the hope of the Christian life. The Christian life is one day will be made new. One day the same sins that I struggled with, I will never struggle with again. One day I won't have to ask for forgiveness because I'll never sin. And one day I won't have to forgive my brother or my sister in Christ because they'll never sin. One day the sickness and the pain will be gone. And so I won't have to endure through suffering. I won't have to endure through trials. God says that if you keep believing him, if you trust in him, there's going to be a day when Jesus comes again to make all things new and we will be completely at rest, not having to battle anymore. Can you imagine following God without the struggle? Can you imagine not having to, to, to push through and endure because you're at peace and at rest and there is nothing coming against you? Can you imagine not having to trust God through the tears because God has wiped away every tear? That's the promise that we have to look forward to. That's the hope that we have in Christ. So how do we get there? How do we inherit that? If that's our inheritance, let's figure out how we inherit that because that's what I want, right? Is that what you want? Amen. Let's see how we do it. Look at verse 16. They answered Joshua. So these are the people that he's convincing. Get in battle formation. Get called. Answer the call. Go fight. Make the sacrifice. Look how they respond. Everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. Certainly the Lord God will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you commanded him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. What do they say? If that's the path to our inheritance, you know what we're going to do? Obey. We're going to obey you, God. We're going to follow you, God. Anyone that goes against you, we'll stand against them. We'd rather be on your team. We're with you, Joshua. And you know, matter of fact, Joshua, while you're at it calling us to do that, here's what we want to tell you. You be strong and courageous too. You obey God too. That's how you get this inheritance. Your inheritance is going to come through obedience. And so that's their response. And guess what? That should be our response. 
Our response when God gives us a command, our response when God says, this is what I'm calling you to, we should ask no questions, we should do nothing else, we should drop everything we're doing, and we should just go obey. That should be our response. That's how we inherit everything that God has called us to inherit. We should be zealous for the things of God and obedient to God's word because the blessings of God hinge upon obedience. All right, so let's go. Let's end right here. Everybody obey God. Is that the end of the story? Let let me flash forward, jump forward, go forward. The book of Joshua ends like this. Do you guys know what happens after the people announce their obedience to God? They go in, they fight their first battle. It's the battle of Jericho. They walk around, sing a few songs, worship a little bit. The walls come tumbling down. They win that battle. They lose some battles after that. They win some more battles. Eventually, at the end of Joshua, they have, they're in the promised land. They're settled there, raising their families there. Joshua declares, we're going to obey God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You guys decide what you're going to do. Serve the Lord. So they end with obedience. But do you know what happens after that? There's another book after Joshua. It's a book called Judges. And in the first chapter of the book of Judges, there's this interesting sentence. And it says this, In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own sight. In other words, their obedience didn't continue. Their obedience faltered. Their obedience waned. Their strength and their courage to obey all the things that God commanded them They did not have it in and of themselves. And Hebrews 4.8 says this about Joshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. If Joshua had given the people rest, God would not have spoken of a better day, another day to come. You see, we have a tendency to think that the way that our rest comes is through our obedience. The way that we're going to get rest and the blessings of God is by doing all the things that God commands us to do. But you and I both know that none of us obeys everything that God has commanded us to do. We we don't have the same battle that Joshua has, but all of us have a battle against sin. All of us have a battle against temptation. All of us have a battle against the things of the world. And at the same time, when we get into the battle with those things, there are times when we lose, as zealous as we want to be, we lose that battle all the time. And so if blessings of God hinge on our obedience, we have none. If God's faithfulness hinges upon our strength and our courage, we don't have enough. We're not strong enough and we're not courageous enough in order to inherit all the things that God has promised us. And so we are hopeless on our own. But the good news is the story of God's people didn't stop with Joshua. A thousand years later, there was another Joshua who was born who would be strong and courageous, who would deliver God's people. His name was Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who was courageous and strong when we weren't. You know what the Bible says about us? The Bible says this, in our story, we were weak. Literally, Romans 5. For while we were still weak, not courageous, not strong, not obedient, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still disobedient, while we were still cowering in the corner, while we were still failing to engage the battles that God has given us, while we were still in our disobedience, Christ died for us. And Joshua, he could be obedient to God, but his obedience didn't apply to the entire nation. The obedience of Christ applies to everyone who would trust in him. The Bible says, anyone who would come to me, I will by no means cast out. Anyone who repents and puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Anyone in hope, who hopes in this Messiah, in this Savior, they can know that they will inherit all the blessings of God. The promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And it's in him that we utter our amen. It's in him that we agree. And so if we're going to look anywhere for our hope, if we're going to look anywhere for our satisfaction, if we're going to look anywhere for our strength and our courage and our obedience to God, if we're going to look anywhere for blessing, we are only going to find that in Jesus Christ. The true Joshua, the greater Joshua, the greater Moses, the greater David. That's where we get strength. That's where we get courage. We are not strong on our own. We are weak. But Christ fought the battle for us. Listen, God is not asking you to go out and earn his love with your obedience. God is not asking you to go out there and win this inheritance by your performance. God says, you weren't obedient enough. You didn't perform enough. You didn't do enough or give enough or serve enough. But Jesus did. And because Jesus did, all of his obedience and all of his righteousness is yours now. Some of you guys in here, you feel far from God. You feel like you're on the outside looking into the promised land. You feel like you're standing there and you're like, do I got to get in? No. What you have to do is look to Jesus. Because all the enemies that you have to conquer, all the demons that you have to beat, he beat them on the cross. And by trusting in him and obeying him, then you'll have the strength and the courage to do everything that God's called you to do. Because all the things that God called you to do, his love for you, His grace never hinged on your obedience in the first place. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness and for your grace, Lord. We thank you that even when we were sinners, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could hope in you, Lord. I pray that as we go into 2024, we would not trust in our own strength, that we would not hope in our own obedience, but we would look to the obedience of Jesus Christ, Lord who secured for us mercy, who secured for us an inheritance that no one can take away, Lord. And I pray we would always look to him for strength and always look to him for courage because we know that although we are weak, he is strong. We pray all this in your name and for your glory. Amen.